Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. There's an old saying that says, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. Today, I don't really want to talk about heaven. I want to talk about servant leadership. And here's the connection. Not everybody talking about servant leadership is going there. It's become a kind of a byword, a a catchphrase, something that everybody says they believe in. and, And the problem is it devolves into a plaque on the wall. And what can happen is everybody in the organization begins to suffer from cognitive dissonance because they hear the leader who can become kind of a petty tyrant, Napoleonic person who just is seeking to use his leadership position for his own power control or just becomes a a petty tyrant. Everybody in the organization can see that. And then they hear him or her using the phrase servant leadership, and you can feel the gap that the organization can fall into. So first of all, The fact that it's a common phrase doesn't make it a bad phrase. I believe in servant leadership. I I believe it is critical to creating the kind of culture, healthy, wholesome culture in your organization, your business, your church, that you want to be there. And secondly, it has to come from the top. The atmosphere, the ambiance, the culture of servant leadership flows down. Unless the leader, the senior most, the general, the CEO, the president, the pastor, whoever that is, unless that person understands and practices servant leadership, it will never really flow through the culture of the organization. So let's deal first of all with what servant leadership isn't. It isn't that nobody is in charge. It isn't that There is no one making the decisions. Life, leadership, organizations work with someone in charge. There's a captain, there's a general, there's a parent, there's a president. Somebody is in charge. So servant leadership doesn't undercut all that. A lot of people talking about horizontal organizations and all that, it's just a way of talking. When I get closer and closer to their organizations, I find that the way they arrange the desks in the room or something is their concept of horizontal leadership. But when you get down to it, there is always a desk where the buck stops. It is that person who has to understand and embody servant leadership. So what is servant leadership? To some people, it sounds like an oxymoron, like jumbo shrimp that you can't be a servant and be a leader at the same time, but you can. Let's think about what servant leadership really is. Servant means to care for another person's needs, to care about someone's requirements. The servant is seeking this other person's good, and the leader is the one who is leading the organization. So in other words, it is a leader who is more concerned with the needs of others than with themselves. So how do we understand this? Let me give you an example. 
uh, let's take it out of the realm of business or church or organizational leadership. Let's put it right in the home. So here's a man who's watching the World Series. It's the Atlanta Braves versus the New York Philistines. I mean, Yankees. And the Braves are one out away from winning the World Series. It's two outs. The count is 3-2 on the batter. One strike, and the Braves win the World Series. One base hit, and the Philistines win. Just at that moment, while the man is tuning in to that game, his five-year-old comes behind him and says, Daddy, let's play. He says, be quiet, Johnny, be quiet. Daddy's watching the game. He looks over behind him, and Johnny is playing with a priceless Ming vase that his wife inherited from her great-great-grandmother. So he says, now, Johnny, you're not supposed to have that vase. You know you shouldn't have that. And he turns back to the ball game, and crash, the vase is destroyed. Now the man is angry. He jumps up, turns the television off, grabs little Johnny and spanks him because he broke the vase and all that. But the little boy knows exactly why he got the spanking. You cannot con a kid. He didn't get the spanking because he broke the vase or because he disobeyed his dad. He got the spanking because he dared to be inconvenient. He got between his dad and the baseball game. So he can say that's a biblical spanking, spare the rod and spoil the child, Sin is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod driveth it forth. All the things we quote, but the fact of the matter is he spanked the child because he's angry, and he's angry because the game got interrupted, and the game got interrupted because the child proved to be inconvenient. So how could servant leadership work in this? The father ought to be in charge in the moment. It might look something like this. He sees that the boy is playing with the priceless Ming vase. He turns the TV off. He says, here, there's no reason for a little boy to be playing with a priceless Ming vase unless he's bored. So let me turn this TV set off. The Braves will figure out some way to lose this anyway. So let me turn this off, and then I'll take the vase away from you, put it up on a high shelf. And the reason you're bored is because you want somebody to play with you. So go upstairs and get your ball and bat and glove, and we're going out in the backyard because the real World Series is in the backyard. Now, do you see the father took control? He exercised authority, and he made the decision. But he made the decision out of a servant spirit for the good of the child. Now, that can happen in an organization. That can happen with employees. That can happen in every kind of relationship. That leadership that is sensitive to the needs of others makes command decisions. And it may not be decisions that everybody in the organization is going to like. But if I'm making it with the right motive in mind, and I'm making that decision for the good of those people. So, again, in the family, and maybe the father gets an opportunity for a promotion out of state. His wife doesn't want to leave. The children don't want to leave. They don't want to move. They don't want to go through everything. But when he searches his heart, he knows that the long-term benefit of that family is better served in the new appointment And in the new setting, he can provide for them better. They can be in a safer neighborhood. There may be a wide variety of reasons. He has to balance their unhappiness about being uprooted from their schools and their friends and their, uh, the house they like. 
And he has to balance that with his opportunity for him to have personal advancement. So he has to make a decision. How do I decide here? He has to come to the conclusion that this is best for everybody in the long run. So I make the decision and move the family. Yes, some may be unhappy in the short run, but I'm making the decision out of the best motives that I can. Now, I seek input from everybody else, maybe hear their opinions, hear their thoughts on it. But the fact of the matter is, at some point or another, the buck stops on somebody's desk. And that's where you make the best decision possible for the good of everybody, but you have to make the decision. So servanthood and leadership are not mutually exclusive. The best leadership is made out of a servant spirit, and the best servants make good leaders. Who's the greatest leader and the greatest servant leader of all time? I I think that we have to land on Jesus. Let's look at a moment in the life of Jesus of Nazareth. He's about to be crucified. He knows that. He is not taken by surprise. He's not captured in the middle of the night without knowing what's happening. He knows what lies ahead of him. And so, first of all, he serves all of them. He basically waits table. He's the one who breaks the bread. He's the one who serves the wine. He serves all of them. He even serves Judas Iscariot, who's going to betray him. He knows that Judas will betray him, and he serves him bread and wine. Furthermore, after supper, he takes a towel and wraps it around his waist and takes a basin of water, and he begins to wash their feet. Now, what lower symbol, what more demeaning symbol of servanthood could you arrive at than washing somebody's feet? It is a symbol of servanthood. He's on his knees, submissive to them, washing their feet, a low-level task of real servanthood. And yet, while he's doing that, No one in that room doubts who's in charge. His inherent leadership position, his reputation, his personhood, everybody knows this is Jesus of Nazareth. They know exactly who's in charge here, but they see him modeling leadership. I went one time to speak a very big, multi-multi-millionaire business. The president and owner of that company a multimillionaire, hugely wealthy and powerful man. As I went to his office, we talked for a while, and then we were leaving to go to lunch. As we were walking across the parking lot, one of his employees was there and just called out to him and called him by name. And the man I was with, he just turned to me and said, hold it just a minute, just wait on me one minute. And he went over to that man and he said, hey, I I heard your wife was ill. How is everything? He stood there, talked to that man, not a long time, I'm going to talk about an hour, but two or three minutes, he just really talked to him. How is everything at home? How are you kids? Is your wife better? And then he just put his hand over in a fatherly gesture on that man's shoulder, and he just said, I I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And the man said, thank you. Then he turned back to me, never mentioned it again. He wasn't wallowing in it. He said, all right, let's go to lunch. Now, to me, that was as clear a picture as I could see of servant leadership. He was genuinely concerned 
for a lower level employee's personal life, but he remained the president, CEO, and owner of that company. That's the character and spirit of servant leadership. Now, what happens is that begins to flow down through the entire organization. That begins to take part of the culture of the organization, begins to be woven into the fabric of the culture so that the leader is not the only servant leader. Servant leadership becomes the way people in that organization think. Servant leadership is not just a plaque on the wall and it's not an oxymoron. It is the very character of the best kind of leadership imaginable. My father, God rest his soul, Don Rutland, was a longtime officer in the United States Army. He was a combat veteran of both World War II and the Korean War, a tough guy. He said something to me one time I'll never forget. He said, no matter who the commanding officer is, I'm going to do what they say. But he said, I feel better about it if I know that he's been wounded or at least shot at. You know, once we can say to our people, I've been in this, I've been shot at, I've been wounded, I've lived over it, I'm still in leadership, it hasn't made me crippled or angry or bitter, I'm not living out of that woundedness, but I am leading you in the reality of what it means to go through this. I'm in this with you. They sense that. They feel that. They know Even our leader has been wounded in the past. He's still our leader. He knows what it means to be wounded. He knows what combat's like. And he cares for us in the midst of it. He's not going to make leadership decisions that will use our bodies and blood in order to glorify his leadership. He's going to use his leadership to accomplish the best ends possible for everybody involved. That's how they come to trust and believe in, and follow a servant leader. Well, I'm glad you joined me today for this episode of The Leader's Notebook. God bless you until we meet again. This is Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.